0: Surely, uh, by getting one of those, it'll help you. In just a moment, we're going to go to the passage of Scripture. But we want to begin by recognizing, not yet, (laughs) I'll tell you when, 25 years of service, 25 years at Gospel Light Baptist Church. We're celebrating all year long, from the first Sunday in January to the last Sunday in January. And so what's happening is, is we're taking some time each service before the message, just a short period of time. Most of the time, we're going to look at, 10 12 pictures, and what we're doing is we're actually walking you through the years as they happened, pictures as they were. So we've covered 1992 and 1993. Next year, we'll cover 1994. But this year, I want to just do a couple of quick things just a couple of pictures, and then we want to take a moment to say thank you to someone. First of all, if you'll notice on the screen the picture of the first auditorium, there it is now. You may look at it and think, "Oh, that that that's that's interesting. That must be where y'all was. That like a Sunday school room, or was that where you you know sp- spent some time before you while you were building?" And all? no, no, we spent three years in that room. Three years of our twenty five year history was spent. Look at this next slide. Trying to fit into a church with that, <laughs> that it was crazy. Now they're all raising their hands, not not because they're praising and worshiping. We didn't do that back then, okay? Uh, but. That was staged, okay? But, but here we are uh, in, a, in a building packed full of people. This is what it was for three years. Hard chairs. That's why I don't have much pity on someone who says, Pastor, it's just a little warm in the building, you know? I'm like, get over it, man. You'd have no idea what it was like to have rats and roaches crawling under the chairs during the service. And I'm not joking, you know? Uh, the famous story of Mrs. Kaufman, because we had leaks in the auditorium, the roof it was a flat roof building, still got it by the way, we just put a third story on, it's a Spanish church now, and, uh, but people in the building would have to have umbrellas because it leaked so bad during the message, we allowed folks, we said, look, it's no problem if you need to use your umbrella in the service, and so, you know, they just go up in the service, you know, oh, I mean, the things that happened inside that building. Well, we want to say thank you. You know, back then, we started with charter members, and so we had a, a piece of paper, and we just signed a sheet of paper. And it wasn't many of us. It was just a small group of us. And I've buried some of those people on that paper. I've, I've gone and had funerals for, for several of those that are on there. And when you stay 25 years uh, and you sign a charter membership of 25, 30 excited people, 25 years, several of those people now have already gone to heaven. Our first treasurer was Jim King Cannon. He was my bus driver when we started the bus ministry. He was my, my first funeral, was Jim King Cannon. And actually, Neva Swann's husband was my first funeral, Charlie Swann, and then Jim King Cannon. And so I buried two great men. But uh, we we've, we've still got a lot in the church. And I want to take just a moment and say thank you to a couple that has been with me for 25 years. And would you just... Let me share with you how much I love them and what they have meant to this church. If you don't know them, their names are Tony and Marsha Thomas. Tony and Marsha have been married for 27 years. And 25 of those 27 years, they've spent sitting in an auditorium like this. And, uh, or, or, or the one before this or the one before that. And they've been faithful. Tony was, has been a deacon for just about 25 years. I mean, it's almost every year that we've had the church. Uh, Tony has been here. Um, I was sitting next to Tony when I got saved at age 13. Uh, He was in the building. He was saved. He was a young teenage boy. And uh, so in the old, actually, the property that our church started in 1993, okay, back in 1978, I got saved on that property in a building Uh, that burned down. and In fact, I've got a picture of that building burning down. I'll I'll, I'll try to show it to you next week. But it was an old Nazarene educational building. It's where the first Nazarene church, the beautiful first Nazarene, on the corner of Section Line uh, and the uh, Central Avenue, that church used to be on that corner, and it burnt down. Well, a Baptist church bought it after they sold it, and that's the church I got saved in on a Friday sitting next to Tony Thomas that's my greatest memory. How could you have a greater memory than that? But I have a lot of memories of Tony. Tony, I, Tony and I used to, yeah, our feminine side, we used to plant flowers together. Yes, we did. We, we were the flower planters. You know, in the beginning of a church, you just, you, know, you volunteer for everything, you know. And, uh, but Tony's also been in the bus ministry up until just a few weeks ago. Uh, he's been there almost since day one. He stepped down to become the head usher of our church. It was the hardest decision I think he's made since he's been here. In fact, At the Christmas party, when Tony shared his testimony with the other deacons, he began to weep as he had to share with the deacons that he was stepping down from that post. He could hardly get the words out. You know, it's amazing. You have to beg people to drive a bus. Tony, you had to beg him not to. And that's the kind of character this man has. Marsha's been in our nursery ministry for uh, 20 years. And when I think of Marsha and Tony, but Marsha, Tony would give the credit to his wife for this. I think of... Projects. Tony and Marshall, when they hear an announcement, they don't just say, Oh, that's good. Hope they get it done. They do it. They just say, Hey, let's do it. And so through the years, they have spearheaded dozens of projects and raised all the money for them. For instance, I remember when they renovated our nursery and spent thousands, raised thousands of dollars just to, to renovate our nursery, buy new furniture. I remember when our gym concession stand was just a sorry excuse for a concession stand. And they raised tens of thousands of dollars, uh, thousands I should say, over ten, probably to paint new stuff, new equipment, all for the Christian school and the college. Teen Revolution, this past year we had a golf fundraiser. We had about 25 of us trying to raise some money. Guess who was the number one fundraiser for Teen Revolution? Marcia Thomas. I remember when we, the baptistry, for years people would walk up to me, for years I heard you say, Man, somebody needs to fix that baptistry. There's a streak there. i tell you what. It's second class. And I would just say, it is, isn't it? Thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> well, Tony Thomas said, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to fix it. And so Tony hired a painter to come take the cross stand and paint it. And I don't want bragging on them publicly, but this is the kind of people they are. And then also, uh, when we started our giving, uh, you know, Tony and Marcia, man, they they 've been the best others I think i 've known, or some of the best, but when we talked about giving uh, they said let 's do something about it we 're not going to give what we give we 're going to increase our giving, and they 've done that for twenty five years. When I think of this couple, I think of a verse in scripture, I believe when they get to heaven, this will be a verse that jesus says you have you have truly done this james one twenty seven would be next to tony 's name in my opinion, if he were to Die before Jesus comes back. I would, I would suggest this would be his life's verse. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Tony and Marcia have adopted children. They have four children. Austin is 20. They've adopted Brady, 13, Natalie, 12, and Isabella, 9. They have truly done what this verse says, the best kind of Christianity there is, is to love the fatherless. And then if you know anything about Tony and Marsha, you know they love widows. One of those widows they've loved has been my mother-in-law, Mrs. Yoshida. And her husband passed away several years ago. And, and so every time they go on a trip, they grab my mother-in-law and take her on a trip. In fact, she's going on a Disney cruise in three months What I don't understand is why I've not been invited to go on that cruise. I mean, and she's bragging about it. I'm going on a Disney cruise, you know. And I'm like, shut up, okay? (laughs) Let me give you the word I think about when I think about Tony and Marcia. Here's the word. One word above all of the words. Loyalty. They're loyal to the end. If you make a mistake, they're loyal. If you're successful, they're loyal. If you're neither, if you're just kind of mundane and just kind of average and you just kind of full, they're loyal. They don't change. They don't complain. They don't criticize. They don't question. They just, when I say they don't question, I don't mean if I'm preaching another gospel. I mean, they just love God and they just figure, you know, I'm here to serve. I don't mean they don't question in the sense that there's blind loyalty. Many times Tony has advised me, talked to me, said, Preacher, try this, do this, don't do that. That's a true friend, faithful of the wounds of a friend. I mean loyalty in that nothing changes. It's just they are not looking for another church, period. I don't say that to say everybody should be that way, but that's how they are. They're just loyal. And so today, I would like to honor the first of 12 families that we're going to say thank you to this year. And would you please join me in thanking Tony and Marsh as they come to the platform real quick. Amen. Worthy of his honor. Love you, brother. Love you, man. I'll never do this again. You can be seated. Thank you. I just told Tony I'll never do this again. He said, you promise? (laughs) I want to let Tony just, if you could, Tony, just give one memory. Something that you can think of. Be thinking of it while I do this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to just give everyone a little throughout the year, just thank you for 25 years of gospel, of service to Gospel at Baptist Church. This certificate entitles you to an evening out for dinner with the Capaces. What it doesn't say is you pay. But no, <laughs> I'm joking. No, no. I'll I pay this time. He's taken me out so many times I ain't never been able to pay. I'm paying this time. He's got a certificate, so let me give you that to prove it, and we're going to do it real soon. One memory.
1: Well, there's too many to, to just remember one memory, but uh, I, uh, my first memory of Eric Capaci was, we were 13 years old, eighth grade, first day of school, we sat on the steps together and he, of course this is 1978, he looked at me and said, do you want to get your hair cut? And I said, no, me neither. but uh from then to to going to school together playing basketball together uh just growing up together uh eventually meeting our wives and building the church together it's it's amazing what god's been able to to do and us be together yeah and i'm so thankful for that love you man thank
0: thank you awesome love you Love you. Can't wait for, can't wait for lunch. Love you. Thank you. And thank you for, um, for letting us do this. We don't, it's rare that we would do this, but you know what? It's rare that you have a 25-year anniversary too, isn't it? And it's rare that the same guy's still here. <laughs> you haven't run me off, and I haven't run me off. That's a miracle. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we're in Luke 16. We're in part two of last week's message And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly give you a review. Is that okay? Because if you didn't come last week, then you you need one. If you did come, then you probably need one too. So I'm going to give you a quick preview. Before I do that, I'm going to tell you next week's sermon is going to be how to enjoy God's provision. Because God, you know, sometimes in our effort to really be super spiritual and really get this, we forget that there is a, a, a joyful side to all of this. God has richly blessed us with so many wonderful things. And God has a plan for us to enjoy the the blessings of God. We don't have to feel guilty for God's blessings on our lives. There's a lot to that in Scripture. And I can't wait to share it with you next Sunday. But this Sunday, we're going to quickly review. I want to read the first three verses of this incredible parable that Jesus uh, taught about stewardship. Now, you'll tell the subject is stewardship. Watch. Verse 1. And he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he'd wasted his goods. Somebody somebody was accusing him of not not doing the right thing. Somehow or another, he had wasted his opportunity, his resources, the, the master's resources that he'd been entrusted with. So the master calls him and says, how is it that I hear this of thee? The master was upset. He says, Give it an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. In other words, you're fired. But I'm going to give you a couple of weeks to close the books and leave right. And so the steward says within himself, What shall I do? Now, let me just stop here and say this about that. He should have thought of that a long time ago. Listen, sometimes we get in trouble, and the first thing we say is, What do I do now? We need to think about that before we have to wonder what to do. There, there is a way to escape this. This place. And that's really what we're talking about. What am I going to do? My Lord's taken away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. So, the theme is quite clear. It's biblical stewardship. And the parable that Jesus is is telling here is mind-boggling in that it is one of those that will jolt you to the core. It really is. It's not easy to comprehend, not easy to understand. It's very difficult, in my opinion, maybe the most difficult in the entire New Testament. And because the message is difficult, sometimes it can be avoided. So let me give you the big picture message. Are you ready? Here it is. God wants us to be wise or shrewd in our financial dealings. And, and you don't have to fill these in. They're already filled in because we gave them last week. But God wants us to be wise or shrewd. So he's teaching us something here that is very, very important. And it's difficult to understand. For example, how can Jesus commend a dishonest manager? How can Jesus see a guy, uh, sin, do wrong, and then say, good job, well done? Well, this helped me. He is called an unjust servant or steward because whatever he did in losing his job was dishonest. That's why he's unjust, because whatever he did to lose his job was dishonest. So he's called an, an unjust steward or servant. He is commended for what he did Not not to lose his job, but for what he did after he lost his job. That's what he's commended for. That helps me immensely because that's how my Jesus is. My Jesus is like the song the faithful men sang. He is faithful when I'm not faithful. He is just when I'm unjust. He is righteous when I'm unrighteous. In fact, his righteousness covers my unrighteousness. Therefore, I stand before you righteous. See, that's how God is. I get that. I can understand that. So when I begin to comprehend why he was commended, it's not because of what he did wrong. It's because of what he did after he did wrong. So that's very important. There's three different people in the story. First of all, there's the owner. That's the Lord. That's the master. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who gave us life. That's why you're taking a breath right now. That's why you have a job. That's why you're wearing clothes. That's why you have a house. You said, no, no, that's because of me. You don't get it. You don't get it. There's the, you, you, you've done nothing to deserve what you have. You're not breathing today because you're in good health. You're breathing today because God says you can breathe. I know a lot of people in perfect health that die. Truth of the matter is, is no credit belongs to you. Please stay in good health, bodily exercise, profits, little. God bless you. Keep at it. But the truth of the matter is, is you owe everything to God. I owe everything to God. That's the bottom line. And so you have the owner. Then you have the manager. Now, this is the guy that is stewarding everything that the owner gives him. He realizes nothing is his. He, 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 or he, he, well, this manager didn't, obviously. But, but, but he should. He's called the steward. He is the one stewarding what has been given to him. Then there is the farmer. This is called in the scriptures the debtor or the farmer. So the owner in the story is so wealthy, he's so successful, he can't do it all by himself. And because of that, he has to have a manager to give responsibility to. So he hires a manager to begin to, to, to steward his, his wealth. And the manager works with the farmers. So what it appears is that he says to the manager, I need this much from every acre that I own, and then you can keep everything else on top of what I'm expecting you to give me. And that's kind of how it works today. You know, if somebody owns a franchise, they keep this, and the, uh, the, uh, the manager gets to keep this. So we come to the key verse in verse 8 as we're almost done with the recap. In verse 8 it says, The Lord commends the unjust steward because he had done. And we've taken that word wisely and we've also used the word shrewdly. Wisely, shrewdly, intersecting those words. But the deeper meaning of shrewd is this. Astute. Sharp. Keen. Rigorous in practical matters serious this is someone who is shrewd it has a sound to it the word shrewd has a sound to it that deals with business doesn't it the scripture tells us that we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves right so here we come to this this moment in time in this sermon series where you and i have to give an account for that verse Am I really good at being wise as a serpent? Do I tend to be, be more shrewd, more serpent, or am I, just, am, I, am I like the dove way too much? You say, can you be too much like one or the other? Oh, yes. Uh, scripture wouldn't tell us to be both if we couldn't be too much of one or the other. That's what the whole parable is about. It's teaching us here there is a balance. Some can be so heavenly-minded, they are no earthly good. And so Jesus says here in verse 8, why is it that the majority of my children are strong on love and weak on shrewdness? And so he wants us to ask ourselves that question. Then he goes on to verse 9 and says this mind-boggling statement. Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. No, I have to have read that wrong. Maybe your version says unrighteous wealth. Make friends with unrighteous wealth. What is unrighteous wealth? Simply put this, it's stuff that you can't take to heaven with you. Which is basically everything. (laughs) I mean, everything. You come into this world naked, you leave naked. So, I mean, that's that's everything we have. Nothing belongs to us. We're going to leave it all here with us. But God says, I want you to make friends with unrighteous wealth so that, he says in verse number 9, here it is, he says, that they may receive you into everlasting habitations. When you fail, when you die, when you kick the bucket, when you take your last breath, those that have predeceased you, which a lot of people who we help are going to predecease us because a lot of folks that we help have been through a tough life. Hey, listen, my brother who got baptized this morning, Kenneth, 75 years old, he told me, he said, I ain't got much longer to live. He said, Thank you for telling me about Jesus. You see, Kenneth's probably going to predecease me. I'm not saying he definitely will, but more than likely, if you look at the national average, a 50 year old will live longer than a 75 year old, more than likely. The point is this is that Jesus says if we will do the right thing with what he entrusts us with, it's not that we can take it with us, but we can have friends in heaven that because we spend it shrewdly and wisely will say, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm here because you gave. You were shrewd. You used your wealth, your unrighteous mammon, to make friends with me. Wow. So there's five principles we learned. Number one, quickly in review, value what you have, don't waste it. And from, from that we took verses one, two, and three, and we learned here that there was a man who wasted what he had. And here's what we said basically we said this if you have a job, be thankful. For whatever job you have, quit complaining about your job. God says, listen, give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. That is right. That's not not mean. That's that's, that's Bible. That's right. That's shrewd. Give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. Don't waste your, your opportunity because... All you need to get where you're going is to utilize what you have. If God has given you something, you use that wisely and God will give you more. So there's a lot here. This guy was dishonest, but, but what he did was he, he humbled himself and he fixed it. He got it right. Number two, plan for the future, don't rationalize it. Notice in verse 4, he said, here's what I will do. He got a plan. And, and the master commended him for doing something about his problem. He, he went to Financial Peace University. We had 40 people that signed up. Hopefully we'll have more than that. He said, I'm going. I'm going to get a plan. I'm going to get out of this mess. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to fix this thing because I want some friends in heaven. So I'm going to go. I got a plan. I want some friends in heaven. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I want to change something. I'm going to get a plan. And so he said, here's what I will do. And he humbled himself, and he went to all those debtors, remember? And he got things right, and he, he worked honest deals with them, not taking any profit for himself, but actually probably more than likely most theologians would say they, that they profited from the deal as he stepped away from the scene and confessed that he had been fired. Wow, that was tough, but he did it. He didn't rationalize things. Number three, new, new stuff. You ready for new stuff? All in favor of new stuff, say amen. Amen. New stuff. Here it is. Operate shrewdly, heaven rewards it. How do we operate shrewdly? And how does heaven reward it? Well, verse 8 mentions this word shrewdness or wise. To be sharp, to be keen, to be rigorous, to be serious. Now, the master in this story is Jesus. And ultimately, all of us are going to give an account to the master. Is that right? We're going to stand before God and give an account. It's called the judgment seat. And so realizing that ultimately he is who we will stand before, he is the master and the Lord of our lives, this story is here to teach us something. And here's what it is here to teach us. Listen to this. That the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. That's humbling. The children of this world are more shrewd than my kids. And dad says, Hey, kids, get it. Learn this. And so here's what Jesus is wanting his children to be more like. Jesus wants us to be sincere but not stupid. Jesus wants us to be nice but not naive. Jesus wants us to show grace but not be gullible. Now, let me tell you something. I'm I'm sharing this out of a heart of humility because I'm not standing here preaching with passion because I've arrived. I'm preaching with passion because God's enlightened me. You see, God's scripture is light. Light. It, it shows things that we need to change, things we need to learn. And, and any pastor that, that stands, and any, any Christian, any believer that stands in, in some place of pride and says, listen to me, follow me, this is what... No, no, listen, I'm saying to you today, follow the Scriptures, follow Christ as I follow. Change as I change. Let's, let's make some adjustments. This is amazing. Here's what I'm learning. I'm learning there's a difference between the behavior ethic of Christ and the business ethic of Christ. I like the behavior ethic of Christ. I like that. I, I get that. I, I'm, I'm more harmless as a dove. That's that's kind of me. I, I lean more in the behavior of, I get it. I get Matthew chapter number five. I get this. I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn. I get that. I get that. Hey, hit me here. No sweat. Hit me here. It's okay. I get it. You're hurt. Go ahead. I'm, I'm all good. I'm, I get that. I get this. I get that if any man will sue you at the law and take away your coat, I get it. Give him your cloak also. If you, hey, what can I do for you? You want this? I'll give you this. I get that. I get, I get picking people up. I get using. I get take get taking people in. I get, you know, three Chinese students need a house to live in, so that you move in our house. I get that. I'm all about that. I get the behavior ethic. I get it. I get this. Whosoever is compelled with thee to go a mile, go with him twain. I get that. I mean, I probably, I don't know why, but I, they called me last week and said that they need a preacher to do a nursing home service. And so I, I volunteered, I, like I need something else to do. But I, yesterday at 3 o'clock, I was at the Garrett Woods Nursing Home with Sonia Chittum and Lydia Fadonagay and their kids and my kids. And we put on a nursing home service, and, and I, I, they, they, here was what they said. The guy we had doing it died. And we're looking for another guy to do it. I'm like, why don't you call the guy that's got nothing to do? You know. But they call me. And I'm like, I get it. I'll go. I'll do another. Let's put another thing on the schedule. Let's go something else. I'm okay. I'll take my kids with me. I do like the nursing home. We had a blast. In fact, after we finished, we're all like, this was so much fun. I love that stuff, man. I like that. I get the behavior. I believe Jesus would have done it. I think Jesus would have responded like I did. I do. I do. I get that. The behavior, behavior ethic of Christ is how we relate to people personally. But we need to stop turning the behavior ethic of Christ into the business ethic of Christ. There's a difference. There's a fine line. Listen, let me put it to you like this. Shrewdness is not rudeness. Shrewdness is not rudeness. It is not wrong to expect, to expect, did you hear that? It's not wrong to expect a day's work for a day's pay. It's not wrong for that. It's not wrong if 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 Jason Day, Jason Day, Nathan, Nathan Day, Jason, if Jason Ogle, who owns Daylight Donuts, hires someone who when he walks in is playing video games and not selling donuts, it's not wrong for, for Jason to say, you're fired. You say, that's kind of mean. He ought to be a better Christian. No, no he, he, was, he was lovey-dovey when he hired the dude and gave him a chance, but you got to be shrewd sometimes. You see, we want to say it's not Christian to be that, and Jesus says, your problem is the children of this world are wiser than you. Listen, folks, you can't preach on heaven without preaching on hell. We don't like that, do we? You can't preach on right without preaching on wrong. And we use what we have for the Lord, and God says, I want you to be shrewd. I want you to be serious about it. I want you to take what I've given you, because someday there's going to be someone in heaven waiting for us to get there to say thanks. So I need you to be shrewd with what you have, because you don't have much time. He's shrewd. A couple of examples. Shrewd, wise. In our ministry, take, for instance, what's happened with uh, our security and our parking lot. Our deacons now that have taken the role of our people used to get paid for, to do these things. Now we have volunteer deacons. And so we have a deacon named John Clowers. He's They got heading up the financial peace university classes. And he's out of town this weekend with his wife. And they took a little time together, which is wonderful. And so John is the deacon over our parking lot and security. He takes it serious. I'm going to tell you he's on time. He's here at eight o'clock, seven thirty sometimes. He's putting up cones. He's he's taking care of things. He's watching the facilities. He's he's being very serious and intentional about everything. I mean, he listen. You know, uh, he, he he he's making sure that our flock is protected. He's taking if there's somebody that's kind of curious on the property. It looks a little different. If it's 90 degrees and the guy's wearing a trench coat and wearing and got a big old bag on his back, hey, we're going to stare at you a while. Oh, well, we should just trust the Lord. If we all get killed, we get killed. Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? Man, get back over here a little bit. God says we ought to love everybody, yes, but God says we ought to be shrewd and protect the flock. How do you do both? Well, you handle the situation with kindness and love, but nothing wrong with walking up to somebody suspicious and saying, hey, can we check your bag? We're just a little concerned. Nothing wrong with that. That's just being careful. It's being shrewd. You see. By the way, who's going to be the guy we have to worry about? The guy that won't let us check his bag? Huh? Anyway, that's just like a lesson in security. <laughs> anyway, listen. Something else about Johnny's is on time. You see, why is he on time? Well, first of all, I expect him to be on time. I really don't think a deacon ought to be a deacon if he can't be on time. Just resign. Well, that's not very nice. No, that's shrewd. I mean, listen, if you're going to be on time for work, be on time for church. Let me ask you a question. Is God's business more important than anything else? Then why do we always take God's business and say, that matters just church. If I don't show up, somebody else will do it. Why do we not call when we're not, when we're working in the nursery, we just don't show up? Let me ask you a question. Is that being shrewd? Well, they'll understand. Somebody else will do it. no. 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 We need to be shrewd in God's dealings. Are you with me? You see, some of you are, you just can't wait till next week's sermon when it's back to lovey-dovey. But you see, we need the love, but we need the, there's a balance here. It's so beautiful. It's like our dorm students. Listen, if you're a dorm student, we have dorm check. Listen to this. We check dorms to make sure they're clean. Some students just think they ought to be able to just have trash in their dorms. Well, here's what I say to you. Hey, you may have been able to do that at home, but you're a champion now. You're growing up. you going to make your bed and clean your room or you going out of here. You mean you'd expel me if I don't clean my room? Yeah, about the sixth time, I think it is, <laughs> according to rule book. Yeah. You say, wait a minute, what's up with us? This is called, God's entrusted us with a $2.5 million dorm. We're going to keep it clean. And you're going to help us if you live here. Does that make sense? So this is true. This is just good, shrewd bit. You say, preacher, you don't sound like preacher. That's the other problem. The other problem is this. The other problem is anytime, anytime I expect a little bit more of somebody, they're like, what's wrong, preacher? You're not loving me and thinking everything's okay, and and you're always so nice. I know that's my problem. Pray for me, I'm way too nice. I'll get emails this week. You know what was wrong with you, Pastor? Have you had a bad week? No, I've had a great week. I'm learning the Bible. It's wonderful. I'm fine. I'm loving it. Actually, I'm more normal now. I'm more like a Christian now that I've learned from like the unrighteous world than I was before. When I was just learning from you. See, this is beautiful. Jesus is teaching us something. It's so incredible. And when we get this, we become the balance of shrewdness and wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. We must manage wisely. Why? For the sake of eternal purposes. Somebody is counting on us. Somebody is going to drive up to this property. And somebody's going to make their decision whether to come into this building based on what their experience was like in the parking lot. You say, you actually think that's true? Oh, I know it is. I've talked to people that have said, I'm here because I could not believe how well organized, how nice people were. Before I walked in the building, I knew God was here. That's what we need. And by the way, that's not always the way people feel. So we got work to do. But that's okay. We're gonna, that's why we're going to work on it. Number four. Start early. God blesses it. Start early. What do I mean by start early? Well, look at this. Look at verse number 10, 11, and 12. Because in these verses, there are three comparisons given. The first comparison is given in verse, given in verse 10. And it's comparing little to much. Look at it. Verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least, that's little, is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in little is unjust also in much. That's probably the greatest benefit to Financial Peace University is they are telling you, teaching us how to be faithful in little. So, Start early. So, so this morning we had a teenager that's coming to financial peace. His name is, is, is Josh Gillespie. Josh is 17 years old. And Josh was smart enough to register for the class because Josh figured, you know what? If I get this when I'm 17, if I, if I get this when I'm just making minimum wage at a chicken's joint, if I learn how to do the right thing right now, God will probably trust me with more. Amen. Start early. Wherever you're at in life, start now. <laughs> you see, treat little responsibly and you will get much. And then notice the second one is comparing money to people. Look at it in verse number 11. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous man. And what is that? That's money. Things. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? Manage money well, impact people. You see, manage your family well, Pastor, and you can have a char- church. You say, what do you mean? Well, look at this verse. One that ruleth well his own house. This is to me, this is to every pastor. If you can manage your own house well and have your children in subjection with all gravity, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? It's amazing how many people want to teach small group classes and preach in church and they don't understand. That's something that, this is a qualification of this. So what I have to do is I have to understand, man, I've got to be very careful to have my family, there's ups and downs, but my family has to be in order. In order for me, according to Scripture, to take care of you. I can't be entrusted with influence if I'm not influencing my wife and kids. It's true. There was a time in this ministry where I was losing some influence. There was a time in this ministry where my my, my family was, was shaky. Not, not my marriage per se. But but there were, some, there were some difficulty, just little things, just, you know, you know how it is ups and down, raising teenagers. And I realized, as people began to speak into my life, man, I, if I lose my family, I lose this church. I can't expect to rule over the house of God if I can't even manage my own family well. So I began to come off the road, and I said, why why should I save America if I can't save my own family? Why should I preach all over the country? Why would I be so stupid and gullible as to pick up the phone and have a guy offer me a sermon at his church and a love offering while my kids become rebellious? Is that really worth it? Is a standing ovation in Massachusetts worth it? No. So I had to make some changes. You got to make any changes? You want influence? Make changes first. Make changes first because God will give you. This is a biblical principle. This isn't even what I'm saying. Jesus says, How can we be unfaithful with the unrighteous mammon and expect to have the true riches? Let me ask you a question. What's more important, money or family? Family. What's more important, a better career? and better vacations, and bigger and nicer and fancier cars, and bigger houses, or godly children. You see, the true riches are this. The problem is, we want more of this. And you can't have both. And so, and what I mean by you can't have both is this. I don't mean that somebody can't be rich and have good kids. Don't don't take that wrong. I'm saying somebody who is blessed financially is not neglecting their family to get it. So there's a lot there. And I know that's a subject that in the small groups, you hash it out and talk about it. I don't have time in the the big service. And then number three, the employer versus the owner. Look at the next verse. Verse 12 says, and if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Let's sum it up with the Dave Ramsey quote. You have to work for your money before money can work for you. I'll just give you that. That's the kind of stuff we're going to get for the next nine weeks. You have to work for your money before money can work for you. You have to learn before you're given authority and ownership and business and employees, you must be faithful in that which is another man's. To be clear, it's balance. So we have to ask ourselves the question, we want to have balance between being shrewd, precise, and insistent while being loving, kind, and tenderhearted. So this message just happens to be more about precise, shrewd, and insistent. This message happens to be this side of balance, okay? I'm not preaching both this morning. I'm just preaching this because I had a lot of this, and I needed more of this, so you're getting, you're getting how God's dealt with me. And that's okay. That's okay. And so, number five, and I'm done. Ready? Serve one master, fire the other. Serve one master, fire the other. If you have two masters, you've got to fire one. Look, if you would, please, at verse 13, it will be done. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It's impossible to do it. You cannot serve both. In fact, Jesus, he would rather not be your master... If he has to constantly compete with money for control of your life. He'd rather just back off and let you have the money. He's not going to fight for his position. He's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't make you get saved any more than he makes you go to church any more than he makes you tithe any more than he. No, he wants you to do it because you want him to be your Lord and master. He doesn't force anyone into a decision. He gives you that free choice, that free will. And so Jesus says, look, I'll back off, man. I'll just walk out. I, I, if you want money, that's your choice. So how do we know if money is our master? Well, if, if you believe that things make you happy, then money is your master and you need to fire him. If you believe that things make you happy, you're, you're, you're wrong things don 't make you happy money doesn 't make you happy just just look at the <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you just take a look at everybody who has a lot of money, like, like Hollywood, I'm talking about millions and billions and jillions, we can learn from like the rich elite. Isn't it amazing how so many of them are, 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 are addicted to drugs and alcohol and married four, five, six times? And I'm not saying all of them, but much of them. Cannot we learn that it is harder for a, uh, to get a, a, a needle to the eye of, a, uh, rather a camel through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven? Cannot you see, cannot I see that money doesn't make you happy? So if things make me happy, I need to fire that master. Number two, I don't know if your money is your master. If you constantly think about accumulation and what you can get next, so illustration. So I'm at I'm at the store, right? And I want that. I want that. I want that. But I don't have the money. But I got a credit card. Hey man, that's charging on top of hey. Well, I got, I'll, I'll get an increase in my credit limit. So I called the number, right? You ever done that? 1-800? And you go, hey, can I get an increase in my credit limit? I've got to have this. I don't have the money, but I've got to have it. Here's what you do right in the middle of the store. You fire your master right there. You just yell it out. You're fired! And everybody around you is going to go, whoa, and say, come to my church. You'll understand. Just tell them. Tell them you go to Gospel Light, and you fire people all the time. Is fire hey this is how serious you have to be about this it's not going to work unless you start firing the wrong master get him out of your life he's controlling you and Jesus is on the sidelines saying just let me in whenever you're ready I'll, I'll, I'll I don't care how bad it gets I'll be here I don't care I'm ready I'm oh good thank you thanks for firing your mask I'm honored to be your master it's, it's the road less traveled you won't have maybe as many things in this life but, but what you do have you'll enjoy that's next week and it's not just things every perfect gift comes from above come here Zoe every perfect gift this is a gift from God right here you see it? And and you know, Zoe, you'd like to have a car, wouldn't you? Yep, yeah, all right. It's going to come one day. I'll figure it out. But guess what? We're not going to get a car before it's time, and we're going to wait and praise God when we get one. We'll let God provide, and he's going to provide. I'm not worried about it. I'm using my son. Pray for the preacher's kids because it's rough. You always got to use this example. See, I'll get home and say, Dad, I'm all right. His hair's cold though, amen. See, this is the true riches. This is a gift from God. See? It's a gift from God. So I just got to make wise decisions. I got to determine. I want the true riches. See? So I'm done. I guess what? Let's go back to the original question and we'll pray, and that is this. Am I like Pastor? Am I. Harmless as a dove. Am I strong on dove? Am I strong on love but weak on truth like he is? That's me. Do I need to come a little bit more over this way? Or am I just way too rigorous, mean, hard to get along with? Always saying no, 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 no. Never understanding that sometimes, you you know, it's it's, it's all right to take a vacation. Amen. It's okay. God wants you to enjoy things. God wants you to be blessed. Hey, God wants my mother-in-law to go on a Disney cruise. He also wants me to. He just hasn't told them yet. <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm totally joking. Here's the, the problem with this is I'm doing this. This is cruelty to them because they'll try to figure out a way I go, okay? So I ain't going if you figure it out. I'm not going. I will, Maybe next year I'll go, but not this year. God wants my mother-in-law to do that. God wants you to have fun. I'm trying to figure a way to get to New York so I can take my family to Brooklyn Tabernacle. God wants us to enjoy things, but wait a minute. (laughs) Not at the expense of making unwise decisions. So there's a lot to learn. You say, Pastor, I got a lot of questions. You'll get them answered at either Financial Peace University or your small group. (laughs) All the small group leaders just went... No, (laughs) no, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Go to small group, learn, talk about it. And guess what? As y'all talk together and commune, you know what's going to happen? You're going to learn more than you ever thought you'd learn from this sermon. I talked to somebody this week that said, man, pastor, ever since Sunday, I've I've been diving into that passage. Man, did you know this and did you know that? I'm like, no, I didn't get that. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, that's good. How in the words, you get something more than I got? It's called God has a way of speaking to all of us and and working, giving us truth. It's it's awesome. I don't have a corner on this. I'm just learning myself. So let's all learn together. Let's bow our heads for prayer. And if the master is not Lord of your life, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, I would like to invite you to invite him into your heart today. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, I've, I've never accepted.